to John Swinfield's Big Business Podcast. And now, let me introduce your host, journalist and writer, John Swinfield. Hello, I'm John Swinfield. Welcome to Big Business. I'm a journalist and television producer, and I've spent much of my life writing and making films about business bosses. I hope you find this pod gossipy, irreverent, informative, and even fun. If you like the feed, please don't forget to click the subscriber button. Big Business is on every week at 11am GMT on Wednesdays. The legendary hotelier, Lord Forte, Charles Forte, held regular soirees for the great and the good. At one of them, in his Grosvenor House Hotel in London, he sat me opposite Eric Morecambe, the bespectacled half of Britain's much-loved comedy duo, Morecambe and Wise. Sitting next to me was one of Charles's closest and oldest friends, Lord Delfont, Bernard Delfont, the West End impresario, the creative force behind the Royal Variety performance and, years before, Saturday Night at the London Palladium, a weekly TV show which for years had the nation in its thrall. Lord Delfont was the brother of Lou Grade, the television and movie modal. Lou funded one of the Titanic cinema epics. It was long, costly and below par. On seeing it, chomping on his trademark torpedo-sized cigar, Gray turned to its producers, his bald head shining, and pronounced, Gentlemen, it would have been cheaper to have lowered the sea. It's an old joke, but bears repeating. Bernard and Lou's third brother was Leslie, a theatrical agent, who died prematurely. Leslie's son, Michael Grade, at one time a reporter with the Daily Mirror, later ran the BBC and Channel 4 television. The Grades were not without influence. Bernard Delfont had a clever, smiling face and a luxurious mane of silver-white hair. He was born Boris Winogradsky in Tokmak in the Ukraine in Russia. He'd had an extraordinary career as a dancer and later a theatrical agent, becoming one of the biggest wheels in London's West End and New York's Broadway. Along the way, he changed the Hippodrome Theatre into the Talk of the Town nightclub in London and brought the likes of Frank Sinatra and Judy Garland to the capital. He staged more than 200 shows in London and over 50 musicals, including Stop the World I Want to Get Off and Sweet Charity. It wasn't all song and dance. As well as creativity, he had formidable commercial acumen. For 11 years, he was the chairman and the chief executive of the EMI Film Corporation. In the world of entertainment, they don't come much bigger than that. Another at the lunch was Edward Heath, the former British Premier. Charles Forty was always close to the Conservative Party and a friend and supporter of Margaret Thatcher. At election time, she'd flown around on the campaign trail in Forty's aeroplane. He was very much her type. She admired self-starters 
and major employers like Forte, brimming over with the grit and ambition that can be found so often in emigres. The lunch party was a glittering affair. The long table, at which there were about 14 or 15 of us, was weighed down by the floral displays and decorative silver. After the dessert and the cheese, Charles rattled a spoon against a glass, calling for a moment's silence amid the laughter and the chatter. At random, he chose a guest and asked them to speak on a subject of their own choosing. Thank goodness his eye didn't fall on me. Eric Morecambe, spectacles perched precariously at a crazy angle on his nose, a look so familiar from his turns on TV with his partner Ernie Wise, came out with a few gags. We'd heard them all before, and we knew the punchlines, but because it was Eric, it was how he told them that made them so funny. Eric was followed by a cleverly concise appraisal of Britain's relationship with its continental neighbours by the arch-European Ted Heath, who had first taken Britain into the European Union. As the lunch drew to a close, Lord Delfont turned and whispered to me that he'd like to talk about television. So we arranged a meeting at his office in Golden Square, near Oxford Street, which I know well. My children were married in the Farm Street Church, the back of which lets on to Golden Square. As well as making TV programmes, I'd set up JSP, making corporate productions and offering television training for companies and business people. There were a lot of con men around at the time offering such services, making inflated claims about media backgrounds which were often spurious or wildly exaggerated. I had made private films for Forte, explaining to him that it would be boring if they were too long, if they lacked credibility, or were too saccharine sweet. I tried to excise all superlatives and make them to a broadcast standard. Short and factual, they were useful in introducing the company in its range and diversity and its enormity to guess who were at Forte's corporate events. By the time the sausages on sticks were doing the rounds and the champagne was flowing, the videos would have been run, giving attendees an insight into the company, which they could then discuss with Charles and Rocco as they mixed and mingled with their guests. As Charles told me, your videos are pretty good for breaking the ice. On one occasion, I had flown to Sardinia in Charles's private plane to make a corporate film about his holiday village, with a film crew and Richard Power, a high flyer in Rocco Forte's circle. Richard was my Forte minder, but perceptive enough to hold back and let me get on with it. Richard was bright, there was nothing crassly PR about him. Around this time I was being asked by people and businesses about media and TV training, something which I enjoyed. It was lucrative and it was relatively easy. There was a gap in the market, the competition, as I've alluded, coming mainly from operators who didn't know much about television production. 
but they put on airs and graces, talked themselves up, charged shocking fees, and fobbed off clients with bogus information and faux guidance. Bernard Delfont was a magisterial figure in every aspect of the global entertainment industry. He was also warm and engaging, and more interested in making TV programmes through my company than in the production of corporate videos. He asked me if I knew of any creative or TV technology businesses that we might buy. I said he'd have to buy them. I could help run them, perhaps, but I couldn't afford the speculative millions that he could risk. I'd previously used a small facilities house in Titchfield Street in Soho, near Bernard's office. It was run by a friend who wanted to sell up or find somebody to inject fresh capital. Facility houses offered editing and special effects to advertising agencies and TV producers. Keeping up with the welter of special effects and advanced gadgetry flooding into production was very expensive and called for an endless stream of new money. I'd earlier taken the owner of the business to New York to make a corporate film for a multinational company which had spent a fortune on a new logo and wanted me to make a film about the logo's creation. I mentioned the business to Bernard, who said that we should go immediately and take a look at it. I said I hadn't warned my friend. Oh, that's good, he said. We can see him and the business as they really are. I said dropping in unannounced would be unfair. Bernard said he'd like to see it raw and unadorned. OK, I agreed. Let's walk. It's just round the corner. He looked at me as if I was deranged, insisting that we be driven. So we went in his chauffeured Volvo the few hundred yards to the little company. There was astonishment as we strolled in, and I introduced the legendary, recognisable, if only because of his striking mane of silver hair, Lord Delfont. He took a glance round, but it was clear he was only really interested in the books. My friend scurried away, doubtless praying he could find them and that they were in good order. He was primarily a creative, and I don't think ledgers were his top priority, any more than they were mine. Delfont perched on a chair in the tiny reception and pored over them. After a minute or two, he shook my friend's hand and congratulated him on building up the business. Back in the Volvo, he turned to me and said, Yes, strong little business. Your friend will make himself a good living. Not sure we could grow it. We want something with really big potential. I'm interested in growth, not how well or badly something's doing right now. I was fascinated how this famously successful businessman and creative force acted so energetically and decisively at the chance of buying what to him was a minuscule company. It's how I am, he said. I've always been like it. I like to move fast. There's no point in hanging around. Make your mind up, have a look, go for it, or walk away. 
We were back in a trice at his office with its window looking onto Golden Square. I follow my instincts, he said. If it feels right, it usually is right. Business, you know, is like the theatre or TV, putting on shows. You know if a show is going to work. You know if a big-name artist is going to work or not. If they'll go down well with an audience. Business is in my blood. You don't lose it. It doesn't matter if it's big or small, like the chap we just met. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. A deal is a deal. But you have to move quickly. Opportunities don't come around very often. You can miss them if you dither or hang around too much. Delphonse's finger was in so many pies, I asked him how he would describe himself. I like to think I bring joy and pleasure to people, he told me. People use this grand phrase, impresario. Well, I suppose that's what I am. Giving people pleasure is my business. Oh, we can make a lot of money along the way. But in the entertainment business, in show business, if you don't please the people, you won't make a bean. He wasn't just a close friend and confidant of Lord Forte. At one point, he ran the Trust House Forte Leisure Division. His influence was everywhere and in everything. There was a time when he ran ten-pin bowling alleys, several discotheques, and no less than seven piers at holiday resorts. I just love piers at the seaside, he told me. There's something wonderfully confident about them. They're from another age. Of course, in business... Some people say they're more romantic than sensible, and it's true that peers can cause headaches and consume a lot of money. They can be money pits with constant maintenance and expense. But for all that, I love them. I always have. Numerous other assets on his balance sheet included a clutch of London theatres, leisure clubs, sports clubs, cinemas, the Empire Ballroom in London's Leicester Square, and even the mighty Blackpool Tower, opened in 1894, one of Britain's best-known landmarks. Within the tower's mighty structure are numerous attractions. The chandeliered and ornate ballroom in the tower has received more recent prominence as a venue for the BBC's wildly successful TV series, Strictly come dancing. As a former professional dancer, the tower's ballroom, with its famous Wurlitzer organ and sprung floor, would have struck a special chord in Delphont. Delphont, like Forte, was always meticulously dressed, beautifully mannered and forever courteous. To me, as with Forte, he was always very kind, offering to help where he could. Like Charles, he seemed to know everybody. He was a philanthropist, supporting many different charities. Cynics say that only the rich can afford to give it away. Well, perhaps, but I've met plenty of rich folk who are tight with their time, and even more so with their money. Charles Forte said to me, Bernard's very generous. Everybody thinks all he knows about is the Queen and the Command performance. He knows the West End and everybody in it, and he knows Broadway intimately, but he has many other gifts. 
He's got great business flair and fine instincts. Have you ever seen him read a set of accounts? I said yes, as a matter of fact, I had quite recently. Charles laughed. That's Bernard, all right. He goes straight to the heart of the matter, to the bits that count. Not everybody can do that, you know. You've been listening to Big Business. This is John Swinfield signing off. Don't forget to click on subscribe. I'm on every Wednesday at 11am GMT.